Thank you very much for your singing. And uh, Abe Philip is going to come up and uh, share with us at this time. Good morning. Thanks, uh, Julie and Rich, uh, for those songs. There's a peace and joy nothing can destroy. There's a new song in my heart. I'm sorry if you came expecting to hear John Glock this morning and got me instead. As you know, John was unable to be here. Uh, uh, He was early this week. He had to go into the hospital for a small intestinal obstruction and uh, back and forth, got discharged and had to be readmitted with the same symptoms. But was doing much better the last day and a half, and so he was home last night. And we trust that it continue to improve without having to have any surgery, so just pray for him. I got a text from John this morning. With, I had asked him to pray for this meeting. Just about 15 minutes ago, he had texted with just a prayer. That he's praying. I know many have been praying this morning. It's going to be a little bit hard. This morning it's a little different as we are not in the book of Titus uh, in our series. It's not a regular Bible lesson from the Word. Although we will be looking at a lot of scripture passages. Rather, it's more of a personal testimony of the journey that our family has taken for the last three years with our daughter Kristen's cancer journey. And the path her husband Cameron, our son Andrew, her brother, Joyce and I and the family have had to walk through as we walked with her. It's a testimony of lessons learned and still learning, of God's mercy, His grace, His love, His sovereignty, His power, His presence, His comfort, and the hope that we have in Him. I'd like to begin, though, by reading a couple of passages from the Psalms. Just a couple of verses from Psalm 30 first. In Joyce's Bible, she's listed this as Kristen's Psalm, Psalm 30. I'll just read the last couple of verses of Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And then another verse from Psalm 118, verse 17. Psalm 118, verse 17. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. That's what my translation says. I think Andy had a, that's a picture of Kristen. Those of you who came for the funeral saw the memory card, and that was the verse on the memory card. And Cameron and I were talking about a verse to share, and I shared this last week, I think. He picked that verse, because that was the last verse that she physically read in their church when she was able to. I shall not die, but live and recount the deeds of the Lord, is that translation. I think last week when Ryan prayed at prayer meeting, he said, you know, Lord, when we uh, say till death do us part, we don't often think, we think, you know, sometime in the distant future we grow all together. And yes, we know we will die at some point, till death do us part, but you don't expect it to be within three and a half years of marriage of which three years was her cancer journey. They just had six months together when she was cancer-free. But that was God's will and plan for them. And who are we to question him? But I, I would like to thank each and every one of you for your faithful prayers for Kristen and Cameron and continued prayers for Cameron and for the family. All of the encouraging messages, texts, cards, visits, food, all of the blessings that the people of God have provided during these past three years, and especially the last couple of weeks after she was drawn home. And so today what I'm going to be sharing is 
lessons learned, lessons learning, what God is teaching us as we walk with Him. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct the thoughts that I shared this morning as we share of a life lived for you and of many who have been drawn through that life and testimony of her and Cameron, Lord. Pray that some of that would come across, not in any way to extol her, but to glorify you, Lord, that the Spirit would guide and direct the thoughts that I shared. Pray for strength. Pray that you'd help me to share this morning what you have. I just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Recount the deeds and learn the lessons. That's the title of my message this morning. And lesson number one, lesson number one, be thankful for every day. Each day is a gift from God. I often prayed as even before Kristen was sick, I used to pray this and we prayed almost every day when we and Joyce and I pray together in the morning. Be thankful. We thank you for this day. It's a gift from you. You know, we cannot add one breath to what God has planned for each of our lives. But we can be thankful for each breath he just gave. Psalm 118, the same psalm, verse 24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The context of that verse comes from a few verses in between 17 and 24. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. That's why this is the day that the Lord has made. There's a peace and joy that the world cannot destroy. There's a new song in my heart. Just for most of many of you, I would say, not most, many of you know Kristen from the time she was born as she grew up here in the chapel. But for others who don't, just a little bit of background on Kristen. She was born early in the morning of September 10th, 1990 at Good Samaritan Hospital in Cincinnati. When the labor and delivery nurse had handed this wrapped bundle to me, she said, you know, she's going to wrap you around her little finger. And she did. Kristen was special in so, so many ways. You know, she started to read when she was less than three. She, she would read her little books and memorize the words. And I think that's how she learned the words. And then she would just add that to other places. And she was reading by the time she was three. I still remember when we... Uh, we had we were looking for she went to Montessori and then when we were looking for admission to kindergarten at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, we had to have an interview with the parents and the child. Uh, Dr. Mark Beadle at the time was the headmaster of the elementary school, a really strong believer. We knew him from because he went to Faith Bible Church at the time. He's no longer in town here, but he was sitting across from us. Kristen was sitting in my lap. And he was explaining to us about the school, and he had a brochure opened in front of him, and he was holding it up, and we were talking, and suddenly there's this little voice saying something. And she, he looks at us, and we look at him. What she was doing was, she was reading the brochure. It was upside down on her side. She was tilting her head like that and reading the brochure. And he looked at us, and we looked at <laughs> Needless to say, she got it. <laughs> Another episode I remember in the early years, uh, Joyce's cousin Sonny, some of whom you know, and a friend of his, Pearson, were visiting us. Uh, some of you know we used to have a saltwater aquarium in our basement uh, because uh, it was Andrew's passion, underwater things. And uh, and they were looking at these saltwater fish and just beautiful colors. And Pearson said, oh, what beautiful fishes. And Kristen, I think, might have been, I don't know, five or six at the time. She looked at him. The plural of fish is not fishes, it's fish. <laughs> and they still talk about that today. You know, God gifted her with a brilliant analytical mind and a near photographic memory so that she was able to breeze through most of us school and college. And a straight, basically a straight-A student all through. I think she got a shock when she went to college, though. In the first semester in chemistry, she flunked for the first time in her life. But then after that, she never did. And she was admitted to medical school in the direct admit program from, from high school into Ohio State's medical school. And again, medical school was also not too difficult for her. 
And she was a really good student and, uh, and a good resident. She did her internal medicine residency at Ohio State. And she was a good teacher. Andrew's turned out to be that, too. He's a good teacher. Andrew was telling us that all, a lot of his fellow medical students would all ask if they could rotate with Kristen because they knew she was a good teacher. She met Cameron through, and her husband Cameron, through an online date in December of 2017. Yes, God does work <laughs> through online dating programs, too. And after a few months of dating, they were engaged in October of 2018 and married uh, May Memorial Day weekend, May 26, 2019. And many of you were there for the wedding. She finished her medicine residency in June of 2019, and then she wanted to do a pulmonary and critical care as a fellowship, which we were really not happy about, but you know, we didn't try to encourage her in that. But then after she got engaged on her own, she decided she did not want to do that. Because basically you don't have a life anymore if you do pulmonary critical care for the rest of your life. And she went into a new uh, fellowship that Ohio State opened up uh, called Integrative Medicine, which is holistic medicine. And it was the new fellowship, and she was the first fellow. That uh, November of 2019, she was having some pain in her left jaw. Thought it was like TMJ joint pain, kind of. uh, And took some medicine for it and got a little better, but it didn't, didn't go away. And then by December, she was starting to have some tingling and numbness in her tongue. And that December 2019 was uh, Joyce's mom, Rosa's 90th birthday. So we had a family get-together at the time, and a lot of the pictures, including the one that was shown earlier, were taken at that time before she was diagnosed. It was right around the Christmas holiday, so she had some x-rays, and then she had a CT scan, saw the dentist who referred her to an oral surgeon, saw the oral surgeon who said, this is not something I can take care of, and he referred her to an ENT uh, oncology and reconstructive surgeon at Ohio State at the James Cancer Hospital. The imaging showed a large mass on the inside of her left jaw. And all of the radiologists read, as prob- read, read that as probably benign. But Dr. Old, who was the ENT surgeon, wanted a biopsy before considering surgery. And so she had a needle biopsy in early January. And I've shared this before, January fifteenth, 2020. I was coming down the elevator to the doctor's parking lot when I got the call from Dr. Old. He had already talked to Kristen, and he gave the diagnosis that it was not, it was malignant, it was a rhabdomyosarcoma, a spindle cell sclerosing variant, which is the rarest subtype of that particular tumor, which is rare in itself. You know, there are two kinds of muscle, and here's the teacher part of me, there are two kinds of muscle in our body, the smooth muscle, which is not under our, um, you know, it's not under our brain control, it's involuntary, like the muscle that lines your intestinal tract, the smooth muscle, that's what causes the foot to move along. And then the skeletal muscle, which is the muscles in your hands and fingers and tongue, and, uh, and the heart too, which is kind of an exception because you really don't control that. But tumors of skeletal muscle are called rhabdomyosarcomas. Lesson number two, recognizing God's hand in the little and big things in life. Recognizing God's hand in the little and big things in life. That's something we, you know, we often in retrospect do, but we're learning to see that more and more going forward. Romans 8, verse 28 says, all things, it doesn't say all things are good. It doesn't say all things feel good. It says all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And we saw that play out in so many ways, and I'll just go through some of them. You know, when we heard of Dr. Old, who was the ENT and uh, reconstructive surgeon there, we know uh, some of the doctors, I wouldn't say many, of the doctors in Cincinnati. We didn't know anybody in Columbus. We didn't know who he was, and and uh, we were wondering about what to do about that. And Joyce remembered that one of the ENT surgeons here in Cincinnati trained at Ohio State, so Joyce called her. And uh, they had a long call, cried together. Because that surgeon, she had a, a lot of medical, her son had a lot of medical issues when he was born. But then she told him about, and she said, oh, Dr. Old was my mentor when she did her training at OERS. And she said, if I had to choose one of the surgeons at Ohio State for my family, I would choose him. So we were kind of reassured, God, you know, God providing right person at the right time. And we'll see a lot of that. 
But I heard the diagnosis, and I said this before. I knew it would be a hard journey. I didn't know how hard. I remember asking Dr. Old. I was there was a little kind of a room when you get out of the elevator before you get into the garage, and I was standing there, and the people coming out, leaving the hospital, and kind of looking at my face. And are you okay? I asked Dr. Old, "Do you think the tumor is resectable?" Because I knew that was her only chance for a possible cure. And he said, "Yes, I think it's resectable." Now, the standard treatment for these, treat, uh, for these tumors is uh, radiation and chemotherapy and then surgery. But Dr. Old insisted that uh, she really should. He, he thought it was wiser for her to have the surgery first, which is what she did. And uh, many of you know that story. She had a radical and reconstructive. He's both a reconstructive oncology surgeon, and the two of them will work together. They basically took out half of her jawbone from the back, replaced it with a 3D titanium plate, put a bone graft in that was from her foot, uh, lower leg bone, reconstructed it. Uh, uh, this area is really complex because there's all kinds of nerves and blood vessels that supply your face and all of that, and that it's not an easy area to work with. And then they, because they take out so much of the tissue and the tumor, they had to put a soft tissue graft into place. 12-hour surgery, all in one sitting. Some of you were there with us that day of the surgery, I remember. And it was just such a blessing to have family support and support from people around. And God had provided, and I'll talk about this couple, one of the anesthesiologists, a friend of Kristen's husband, was in the next OR, and he would come out every two hours, tell us what was happening. She was in the hospital for two weeks. There was a little bit of complication with an infection, and so she had to be two weeks in the hospital. She needed so much help in that post-op period for two weeks. There were two of us day and night in the hospital with her, and they allowed two people to stay in the hospital room. You know, the following month after that was when COVID struck with a vengeance. If she had had the, the radiation and the chemo first, she would have, her surgery would have been somewhere around April the height of COVID season, April 2020, when they did not allow any visitors to enter the hospital or be with the patient, and she would have been all alone. I thank the Lord for arranging that. God arranges the big and little things. Also, that December, after Christmas, Cameron had an in-person job at the Columbus Art College as a designer, graphic designer, software developer. And he had lost his job. January 27th was her surgery. During that time when she was in the hospital, Cameron had, he had applied for jobs and he had to go actually for an interview during that time in the hospital. He, he flew to Washington, Washington area, had the interview, came back, got that job. And that was a job that was totally remote, working from home, completely 100% remote. And he still had that job for the last three years. God working things the right time, right person, so that he was able to be there for her for the whole three years, and taking her for treatment and just being there day and night. Also, the place they were living in prior to surgery was uh, upstairs and downstairs. The bathrooms were upstairs, so after they did the foot, uh, took the bone from the foot for the grafting, she would not be able to climb stairs. So during that time she was in the hospital, we moved them to a brand new two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment with all one level that allowed pets. And uh, there were some of you who came to help us move. And uh, the whole of their integrative medicine department, all of them came on a Saturday, completely moved everything in two hours. God providing the right people at the right time. So when she came out of the hospital in surgery, so they moved to that new apartment, and they lived there for, for a while. You know, learn to recognize God's working. He does in all your lives. He does in all your lives. This is not something special, yes. I mean, it's special in a sense, but He continues to work in all of your lives. After surgery, she had to have chemotherapy, inpatient chemotherapy, and then she had to have proton beam radiation. Proton beam is a kind of radiation which is very precise in this area of the body. They need to be very careful not to have, because radiation usually scatters beyond what they treat. That's true of standard radiation. This is proton beam. It's very precise. It ends exactly where you want it to end. 
Ohio had only two places that had those machines. One was at the Cleveland Clinic. The other one is at Cincinnati Children's. Not in the downtown hospital, but in the Liberty Hospital Annex in uh, Liberty Township. 20 minutes from our home. So, so the five, five weeks that she had radiation, she was able to stay home and go. God arranging the right thing at the right time. And the little things and the big things. You know, in August 2021, they moved into the house that they currently were living when Kristen passed away. That's a house that belonged to their church, uh, the Orthodox Church there in Columbus, right next door to the church. And they had a little backyard so their dog could run around, and the church provided them. All this time, from January 2020 through September 2021, 18 months, all the scans were negative. And we were beginning to hope for a cure. In fact, she had talked to her fellowship about maybe uh, trying to finish her fellowship. She had finished six months. And she asked, because of COVID and all that was going on and being immunosuppressed, she asked if she she could do and see patients by telehealth. And initially they said, okay, yes, you can do that and complete. But I think the graduate medical education said, no, part of it is going to have to be in person. So she made the decision not to to give up the fellowship. In September 2021, part of a regular three-month scans, we got devastating news that the tumor had spread and was now stage four. It involved her spine, some lesions in her lungs, pelvic area, and some other areas in her body. She was started on outpatient chemotherapy at the time, four days a week, every third week, and had six cycles of that. It was during that time that that went from uh, soon afterwards, September through January of 2022. That was, and that time was when uh, it was getting into winter, and Cameron's car was an old car, and I've shared this story too. And uh, we wanted to get them a new car, and we, that was the time when supply chain shortages and cars were hard, and the dealers were having a hard time getting new cars. Where they used to get 15, 20 cars a month, they were getting one or two. And they had looked at a lot of cars prior to this, and uh, they started looking at it again, and they, they had settled, and they wanted a Subaru Outback, uh, which is a four-wheel drive car. But the only car that was available, the new one, was a black one. And uh, Kristen really wanted a blue car. And uh, so we, uh, we, we looked at it, and we said, yeah, let's go ahead and book that. And then after we came home to Cincinnati, she called and said, Papa, can we please, we, we found, we said, you know, if you order a new one, how long will it take? They said, well, it'll be February or March before it comes. I said, I said, that defeats the purpose. We want you to get your new car for winter. But she called and said, can we wait? And I said, no, Kristen, the reason we want to get the new car is because we want you to have it for winter. And she said, oh, okay. So we went back uh, a couple weeks after that. The weekend I was free. Saturday we go to the dealership and they have this black 2022 Subaru Outback all ready to go and they have it entered and all the computer work and name and everything entered in the system. And he takes the, the salesman takes us out to the lots to show us the car and we go with the car and come back in, coming in back into the dealership and I, something prompted me to ask the salesman. By any chance, do you have a blue Well, let me back up. Prior to that, when Kristen called like that, Joyce told, told me, let's pray. And we prayed, Lord, if at all possible, can you get her a blue car? So coming back into the dealership, I asked the salesman, by any chance, do you have a blue car on the lot? And he thought for a minute, and he said, you know, we were not expecting it, but in the shipment that came in this morning, there was a 2021 blue Subaru Outback. It's the same trim level as you were looking on the 2022, and it's only got 1,800 miles on it. Would you like to see it? I said, we'll take it. I remember sharing that. I don't know. We were having a prayer meeting on a Saturday or something here at the chapel. I remember sharing that, and I remember Evan praying, Lord, you know, the color of a car doesn't really matter to me, but it was important to Kristen, and you provided that. You know, when their car is parked on the, just outside their backyard, uh, behind the hedge there, when they look out their kitchen window, they can see the blue car. 
I think of the Israelites putting those stones in the Jordan River after they cross over as a memorial. We call it the miracle of the blue car. It's still there. And Cameron looks out, it's still there. During that time, she also met with the, the, one of our neighbors down the street is a, who used to be the head of oncology at Christ Hospital here in Cincinnati. He now works with what they call the second opinion cancer, special, you know, opinion. Uh, Cincinnati Cancer Advisors, and we had called him, and he had met with Kristen online, telehealth, and, and he had then referred us to one of the sarcoma specialists at Cincinnati Children's, both of whom were very positive about her long-term, you know, they said that even though it spread, they think she had a good chance, and she was encouraged by that. And she was started on what they call a targeted drug, uh, Picre, which was... Uh, that was uh, January 2022. And then sure, the uh, uh, pharmaceutical company provided that because some of these drugs that are targeted cost fifteen to 16000 a month. And the company provided that free of charge. In March of 2022, she, had, she was having pain in her cervical spine, upper cervical spine here, and she had radiation to control that. And uh, it was effective, and uh, you know, the pain was controlled, and she was started on a different chemo regimen. But then every few weeks that she would, every, I think less than three months, it was more frequent that it seemed to every time she had scans, and it was so hard waiting for those scans and the results, uh, the level of anxiety, I, 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 can't, I can't describe it. And every time it seemed to get worse. During all this time, a third lesson we learned, a third lesson we learned was this, be transparent in sharing needs and prayer requests, and be persistent in prayer. You know, we used to hesitate sometimes in sharing needs. I don't know if it's cultural or not, maybe it is, but no longer. I think it was last week, Rich, kind of in passing, said, we need each other. Yes, we do. We need the Lord and we need each other. You know, in Luke chapter 18, we have the parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge. I cannot tell you how many times Joyce and I have prayed that, Lord, you are not an unjust judge. You are a loving Father. And we plead for your mercy. But then she was, by then she was having pain that was not controlled with the pain meds. She, she really hated taking pain meds and she wouldn't take the level of pain meds that she really need, needed to control her pain. But, uh, she had radiation to the lower thor- thoracic spine then in uh, July of 2022. After She was scheduled to have five rounds of radiation. After two of those rounds, early morning on July 15th, 2022, Cameron, God woke him up. He heard her gasping and realized that she had stopped breathing. Cameron says he, he just cried, Lord have mercy. And he started a CPR. He called 911 and then he called Joyce and Andrew. Joyce was there to help with the radiation. She was staying at Andrew's apartment. They went there immediately. The EMT and the cops were there. They were working on her upstairs in their bedroom. They wouldn't let them go into the room. And Joyce said they brought her down like a bundle in a sheet carried her down the stairs and took her to the ambulance and then to the OSU main hospital. They didn't know if she was alive. And Joyce had called me while they were waiting. And uh, I was going to drive up, and then Joyce called my nephew, Vijay, and Vijay drove me up to uh, Columbus that night. They worked on her for two hours. You know, she's, because of all her surgery and the reconstruction, she's a difficult airway to intubate. And I don't think the EMTs did it properly. The tube was done the wrong way. In fact, they traumatized her. They had to call the EMT uh, team to come and intubate her in the emergency room, which they did. Two hours they were working her, trying to get her heart rhythm under control. She was having runs of ventricular tachycardia, fibrillation, tachycardia, fibrillation. Ultimately, they were able to get it under control with the combination of two drugs. And the ER doc, I had already reached there, the ER doc came and said, we've got a pulse, and she's relatively stable. And uh, she was in the hospital for over a week at that time, on the ventilator. 
They had to have initially three drugs to maintain her blood pressure. Well, after she passed away, we were talking, this, this couple that's been such a blessing to us, Jasneet was a one-year junior to Kristen. She was a medicine resident at Ohio State. She went to a, a University of Michigan to do her cardiology fellowship, and she was a cardiology fellow at the time. She and her husband was the anesthesiologist. He's a cardiac anesthesiologist, does the complicated cardiac cases. Just need, uh, she asked her, her program director, that guy normally doesn't allow anyone to, you know, just take off like that. She told him what the case, he said, go. She was so surprised. And they came and they stayed the whole week with us while we were, while she was in the hospital and, uh, on the ventilator. And they would come with us and stand, when they make rounds in the morning, they would stand next to us and ask the questions. Because although we know what, what to ask, it was so hard, and they would ask the questions for us. Talk about God providing the right people at the right time. Last week, after she passed away, Jasneet, uh, Michael, her husband, was telling us what a miracle that was that Kristen came back. No neurological deficit. No kidney injury, no liver injury, completely. He said that they had a patient uh, not much older than Kristen that was when that coded, and they, she was in the hospital in the operating room, and they they were able to reintubate reintubate her, get her rhythm back to normal, all within the space of 15 minutes, but she was completely brain dead. Two hours they worked on her, and nothing, no deficit. I told that to my cardiologist here in Cincinnati and I, because he knew Kristen and Kristen had chatted him and she was in school. He's not a believer. He said, that's a God miracle. That's a God miracle. Then we found out the reason why she had that arrhythmia was because the tumor had spread to her heart. And she had a large area of tumor on the interventricular septum between the right and left ventricles. That's the area where your heart conduction system originates, and that's what was causing the arrhythmias. She was discharged home. She was uh, on a couple of arrhythmic, anti-arrhythmic medicines, and she started to wear what they call a life vest, which is an external defibrillator, in case you have an arrhythmia. It's, uh, and she, you know, the, all these six months that she lived, she never had another arrhythmia, even though there was tumor in the heart and it was slowly growing. And during that time in the hospital, they were able to complete that five rounds of radiation that she was getting to her thoracic spine. And that also targeted the, that passes through to the heart. So she probably did get some treatment in the heart. In September of 2022, she was started again on chemotherapy, a different drug regimen, and had seven cycles of that between September and December of 2022. She was doing relatively well and, you know, pain-free uh, at that time. We were able to celebrate Thanksgiving dinner together, and she, she was able to really eat well. Uh, and she, was, she had to eat slowly because of her job. We had to celebrate Christmas dinner early, December 18th, because I was on call Christmas weekend. And even at that time, she was doing relatively well. But the week after that, before Christmas, she started to have worsening pain and couldn't sleep at night at all. She saw the physical medicine rehab palliative care doctor who adjusted her meds. But on January 1st of 2023, she was admitted to the hospital because she wasn't sleeping and she was having uncontrolled pain. And she was admitted. And the scans showed she had a large area of tumor between the cervical, bottom cervical and thoracic spine that was beginning to compress her spinal cord. And... Uh, she also has having tumor in the lumbar spine, and that was causing the pain. The plan was to do radiation. Well, they talked about surgery initially, but uh, she decided not to. But the plan was to do radiation after she came home and to do it as an outpatient. She came home on January 6th, which was a Friday, discharged to home hospice. But that was a Friday evening, so nobody came to evaluate her from hospice. So on Saturday, which was the 7th, she she was really uh, starting to get worse. She had uh, pain, but she could not urinate. And we couldn't get anybody to come to catheterize her. The hospice said she's not that patient yet, so they couldn't do anything. 
the oncologist said, you know, the best thing is probably take her back to the hospital and that they, he would uh, arrange for an ER room to be ready and then she would get admitted. And so she was uh, admitted on this, she was in the ER room for almost all that day uh, and then admitted to the hospital on the seventh night. Eighth, she was in the hospital and after looking at her, the radiation doctor thought he would try to target all three sites that needed to be radiated that they were planning to do outpatient. He was going to do it as one sitting in the inpatient setting on that Monday the, uh, Monday the 9th. But uh, that night of the 8th, Kristen decided she was not going to have any more treatment. And she came home with uh, home hospice. That last week was hard. She was slowly declining. The hospice nurse and the aide who came were really good. You know, but uh, compression, caught compression would ultimately cause paralysis, but it was causing, it causing her to lose movement in her right arm, right side of her leg, a foot drop on the right side, loss of bowel function. You don't expect that. You know, you think in an 80 or 90 year old, you might have to do that. You don't expect that in a 32-year-old. By the morning of the 14th, she couldn't swallow. I shared this with the elders. The morning of the 15th, I had prayed. Lord, we took care of Kristen for 29 years as best as we could. Cameron took care of her as best as he could for three and a half years. Now it's your turn. That evening, the Lord answered that prayer. You know, that day, Two weeks ago, January 15th, Sunday, a lot of the family were able to come and see, even though she was sleeping. A lot of the family came and saw her, my brother and sister from, my brother, my sister and husband from Dayton, Joyce's brother from Michigan, her nephew from Michigan. And uh, Joyce's brother from California was had come, and they were planning to come and see her on Monday. And Joyce called and told them, no, come, come today. And so her brother and uh, two nephews from here since that he had come Sunday evening. Sunday evening as we were gathered around her bed, the hospice nurse had come by to see her in the evening. As we were gathered around her bed, holding her hand, she started to breathe slower and slower and just peacefully stopped breathing. Exactly three years from the day of her diagnosis, January 15th, 2020, exactly six months from the day of her cardiac arrest, July 15th, 2022. There are no coincidences with God. Lesson number five. Lesson number five. It's a hard lesson. In everything, give thanks. You know, that passage starts out, when you rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, Joyce and I often wondered why the Lord brought her back from death. Literally, that's what he did. We prayed, Lord, there are still lessons that you want us to learn. Help us to learn them. On January 16th, Monday evening, after she passed away. Andrew had gone back to his apartment. Uh, Cameron, Joyce and I were there. Phil and, Phil and Heather had come by to see us in Columbus. And we were sitting around the dining table in their home. Although initially quiet, Cameron started to share some things and a lot of things. And one of the things he said, and we hadn't heard that before, he he said, although Kristen was confident she was saved, she really had doubts if God truly loved her. 
just because of all that was happening to her. Why would all this happen to her and just keep getting worse and worse and worse? She also didn't want to die, really, mainly because she didn't want to leave Cameron and she didn't want to leave us. And that's only natural. But he said the six months after her cardiac arrest, she had no more doubts that God loved her. And she was not afraid of death because she had been there and come back. So we do thank the Lord for the six months that he gave. If anything, just that she knew that God loved her. That morning of that Sunday, the 15th, and sometimes I hesitate to share these things, but Cameron said Cameron was sleeping next to her. She had the hospital bed in their living room because it was hard to get it anywhere else into the other rest of the house. Cameron would sleep on the couch. We were, we, we, that whole last week we stayed with them. We were sleeping upstairs. Cameron said he woke up. And when he woke up, there was a glow around her face. He looked to see where the light was coming from. It wasn't. And later that morning he texted the priest from that church and he said, I don't know what this is. And the priest said, I don't either. Maybe God was talking to her. That night before, well, for a few nights before, we had we, Joyce and I had prayed for just even while she was sleeping that there would be a divine assurance to her and Cameron of his presence. And Joyce had prayed, was praying with a lady from India on WhatsApp for a few nights. And they had prayed the same thing. Lord, that you would reveal yourself in some way. Maybe that was God revealing himself. I don't know. But it, it assured Cameron of God's love for her. Lesson number six. Our walk of faith impacts many as the world is watching. Our walk of faith impacts many as the world is watching. You know, many of you read, read her Caring Bridge, and her and Cameron's Caring Bridge blogs, and so many across the globe, really, have been touched and strengthened the faith of many. Even here at the chapel, and I, only eternity will tell the impact. I can tell you, I'm the youngest in the family, so Chris, Kristen and Andrew were the youngest cousins. They have a whole array of cousins. If you add up everybody, it's probably almost a hundred people that have been drawn closer to the Lord in their walk of faith because of Kristen. Their own church there, so many have come and told us that Kristen and Cameron have brought that church together in a way that they've never seen. Some of them have been there for 30 years in a way they've never seen. The week that she had the cardiac arrest in the uh, that whole week, there were in that church. There were a couple families who gathered to pray at around noon. Other families heard about it and said, "Hey, can we join too?" For that whole week, they had a prayer meeting at noon. They said that's never happened in that church before, and there were like fifteen, twenty people every afternoon gathered together to pray. God works. I've shared other Joyce's medical school class. Joyce had been a part of a WhatsApp group on the medical school class, but then she kind of got away from it because they, you know they were constantly going back and forth. And, but uh, one of her friends had been posting what Joyce posted on there, and so a lot of her medical school class knew about Kristen and were praying for her. One of her friends, who's a, he used to be the class clown in their medical school class, he is a vascular surgeon in Australia now. And he asked, what can I do to help about a year and a half ago? And Joyce said, you can make Kristen laugh. And he was emailing her back and forth over the past. And he did. And she she looked forward to corresponding with him, and she did. Cameron shared this. And I, I shared even the priest's daughter at that church. Her faith was, in a sense, restored after Kristen's funeral. And uh, his, his wife, her mother, had shared that. But I'll share this very briefly and then one more lesson. This is from a, this is from like a homesteading family on a farm in California somewhere. 
Christian had never met them. They were corresponding. She, this lady had been interviewed once on uh, Ancient Faith Radio, which is the Orthodox channel, and Kristen had reached out to her. And she posted a really long post last week about Kristen. And I'll just read part of it. It says, on January 15, 2023, Sarah, Kristen Sarah Robinson, Chris Sarah fell asleep in the Lord. I have looked back at the very short timeline in which I had the honor of knowing Sarah. In the two years within which we spoke, she endured more than most people do in the entirety of their lives. She and her husband posted almost every single day to update their family and friends. And what amazed me always was the sincerity of their faith. I am so very humbled by their strength of faith. Instead of complaining and falling into despair, her cancer was the means through which both she and her husband grew strong. They dedicated the minutes of their lives to turn to God. He has asking for healing, but also asking for hope to continue on the strength to endure. I'm just reading parts of it. And then she writes about the blessings when she thinks of her own family. And she says, I am no more deserving of these blessings than Sarah was of her pain. And yet she endured and glorified God throughout the entire process. Every hour she could not sleep from the suffering. She stood in prayer and gave her tears to him. And when she could not stand, she continued to pray in her bed. And when she could no longer be conscious, her husband took her hand and prayed for the both of them. This is from someone she's never met. Cameron showed us her prayer journal. She had over 200 names in her journal. And she would pray for each of them every day. There was somebody who tried to swindle them out, of, who had come to their front door and swindled them out of money with a sad, sad story. And they had shared that. They were kind of feeling sheepish about it. I guess they had shared that with us later. I think they gave quite a good sum of money to that person. And then Kristen said, you know, how can somebody be so desperate that they would even try to trick a cancer patient? And she put that person's name on her prayer list, and she would pray for him. Our walk of faith impacts many as the world is watching. There are so many stories I'm sure we'll still hear. I thank the Lord for each one of them. Last lesson, perhaps the most important, number seven. The only reason for our hope and confidence is the reality of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The only reason for the hope and confidence that we have, that we will see her again, is the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Let me just read that passage from First Corinthians quickly. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the Lord. With thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. John 11:25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and he who lives and believes in me will never die. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. That's what Christian did. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to declare his works this morning. Do you have that hope and confidence? Do you have that hope and confidence? Let me ask you, not me, the Holy Spirit. God is asking you, do you have that hope and confidence? If something happened to you, do you know where you will be? You can. Romans 10 Verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13, in fact, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You might say that's too simple. Yes, it is simple. 
Because God made it simple in the person of His Son. The one who died to pay the price for your sin. That you can have that confidence. I know I will see you again. And what keeps us going is every day is one day closer. One day closer to His coming. If you do know Him, if you do know Him, are you just coasting along in your faith? I ask God to reach out and touch, to reach out and change, to reach out and energize, to reach out and fill us with the Holy Spirit. That we may be on fire for the Lord and declare the works of the Lord. Declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to go close in prayer, but I'm going to ask if there's anyone here who wants that confidence, doesn't know the Lord. Today can be the day of salvation. It says there is rejoicing in heaven for even one who comes to faith. And if you say, Lord, I've been just playing church, I've been just walking along, I want to recommit my life to the Lord. Would you do that this morning as we pray? Would you surrender to the Lord? He is waiting for you. Let's close in prayer. Our God and Father, we thank you for the privilege of declaring the works of the Lord. Thank you for the knowledge that those who are in Christ will live, live forever, have eternal life. God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, I am praying, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't have that assurance, that confidence, the faith that they will be with you forever, that you would work in their heart, the Holy Spirit would convict them this morning, Lord, and that you would draw them to yourself, that they would confess, repent of their sin, and trust you, It seems so simple, but you made it simple, Lord, in the person of your Son who gave his life for them. And if for those of us who know you, Lord, help us to lean on you, trust you, depend on you. Declare your works in and through our lives, that you would help us to show your grace, mercy, love, goodness to others day by day as we go from here. Thank you for Christian's life. As Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord. We just pray that you go with us as we depart from here. And that they might be rejoicing in hearts as we go from here. Knowing that you are our Savior and we are in your hands. Lord, we long for your coming. Keep us faithful and watchful and prayerful. We just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.